Welcome to this podcast from JAMS. Today, we're spotlighting an initiative called the Divided Community Project. Based out of Ohio State University's Moritz College of Law, this program helps communities foster collaborative approaches for transforming community division into positive action. Since 2016, the JAMS Foundation has contributed $1 million to the initiative. We have three guests with us to talk about the project. JAMS mediator, Michael Lewis, who was named chair of the JAMS Foundation's board earlier this year. Carl Smallwood, executive director of the Divided Community Project, and Nancy Rogers, who serves on the Divided Community Project's executive committee. Thank you all for for joining us. Nancy, can you just get us started by giving us some background on the DCP? Sure. You you got it just right as to our, our purpose. But let me add that we focus our promising ideas for transforming community division into to positive action on local and university leaders. Um, about six years ago, we asked ourselves uh, a question. How, how can we use our backgrounds in dispute resolution and dispute system design to turn energy to achieve change away from feeding what seemed like growing polarization and toward problem solving? Uh, we ask others to meet with us and wrestle with that same question, our dispute resolution colleagues, our students. Uh, and those who've been dealing with the divisive disputes as leaders, as advocates, as mediators. Through that, we we identified and we seized a gap that we could fill. Most people still trust their local leaders, but most local leaders don't respond as effectively as they might to a major divisive matter if they're not prepared. So to help with the preparation, we developed practical guides for local leaders with ideas that the leaders elsewhere had found to be constructive, tabletop simulations of situations they might face, three-day academies for teams of their leaders. And then over time, we continued to ask the same question, but it led us to add experienced mediators who could help local leaders in the midst of volatile, divisive situations. And last year, to begin advising local leaders as more and more of them created processes to advance racial equity. That's very, very helpful. Thank you so much, Nancy. Michael, can you talk about the JAMS Foundation's relationship with the DCP? How did that start? And and what about the DCP was of interest to JAMS? Sure. I'm happy to to talk about that. And and I'm going to start not at the point that JAMS began funding DCP, but a little bit of history about the foundation. From its beginning until about 2013, we had the foundation had funded about 15 subcategories of of dispute resolution related funding. And in 2013, the board began what ended up being almost a full year uh, strategic assessment planning process, trying to figure out whether we should focus on core funding areas rather than sort of this broad swath of the universe that we had funded previously. And we ended up with really four places where we thought we'd have the greatest impact. The community mediation world, uh, student youth initiatives, the Weinstein Jams International Fellowship Program, And the fourth category that we called a big societal issue, but had some difficulty identifying what we would tackle there. 
You know, we considered immigration reform, education, healthcare reform, and and each of those we decided it was really bigger than the foundation could uh, could usefully do anything in. But in 2015, there were a series of high-profile incidents involving police officer-involved shootings of unarmed community members, mm-hmm. and we quickly identified police community relations uh, as our as our initial big societal issue and the and the first grants we got the New York Peace Institute working directly with the New York Police Department um, roughly a thousand police officers trained under that series of grants mm-hmm. and the divided community project with a focus on police community issues but We've since expanded to include a wide range of issues dividing uh, communities, political protests, hate incidents, contested monuments and symbols, the opiate crisis. We, we had a special focus on the Bridge Initiative, which is one of the, the main components of the DCP. And so we, we as you mentioned at the outset, we, uh, we funded uh, DCP to uh, to the tune of uh, of a million dollars to date. Carl, can you just tell us a little bit about the DCP and and how it what what separates it from other organizations with a similar mission? What's what's special about the DCP? Yes, uh, as as Nancy and Michael have described, we offer a range of programming to design, teach, and deliver dispute resolution tools to plan in advance of community division uh, and to address community division when it occurs. Uh, and in that regard, the design process exists to translate the lessons that we learn, not simply into legal scholarship, but into lessons in guidance in plain English that are relatable uh, and useful to community leaders, campus leaders, and, and other stakeholders in communities. That uh, has led us to, uh, in addition, host academies which are three-day intensive workshops for core leadership teams. Uh, And we have delivered those both to municipal uh, leadership teams, which consist of uh, uh, municipal leaders, faith leaders, law enforcement, and others. Uh, We've delivered those to campus leadership teams, Mm -hmm. uh, sort of uh, internal campus leadership, a provost level, uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion, student services, uh, safety and most recently to attorney general's offices in in five states, mm-hmm. uh, including um, a bipartisan uh, representation from diver, uh, attorney general's offices. And those were modeled on uh, the idea that the Community Relations Service of the Department of Justice has uh, only so much capacity, mm-hmm. and it would be a great idea to try to offer design assistance to attorney general's offices that might consider creating a state-level kind of uh, agency or ability to provide the same types of services that CRS provides. Nancy described simulations, which we uh, have created uh, as a readiness assessment tool that helps communities and campuses assess their readiness to address a hypothetical community uh, conflict. We have uh, trained trainers so that those simulations can be used by others. And uh, we love when they use our services to deliver that training and the lessons that can be learned from it. 
but certainly there are others who use those tools uh, in their communities. Uh, and all of these tools are at no cost to communities because of the generous support GMS has provided and some others have provided. And it's all under the Creative Commons license so that uh, they can be used and further disseminated by the uh, users. Uh, the last piece I'll talk about is the Bridge Initiative, uh, which provides real-time intervention uh, consultation services to communities in conflict. And we have hired uh, as contractors two former regional directors of the Community Relations Service of the Department of Justice, experienced community interveners, Thomas Battles, uh, who's in Atlanta, and Ron Wakabayashi, who is in Los Angeles. And there are other experienced interveners and, and veterans of the Community Relations Service who also work with us. Again, those services, those consultation services uh, in real time are provided at no cost to communities. And I think that range of services sets us apart from a lot of other entities that might try to offer services to communities in this space. Mm. And can you talk a little bit about just how the DCP's work has evolved over time? Well, sure. Uh, as, as Michael explained, uh, this uh, Divided Community Project began as a response to police-involved uh, shooting types of incidents. Over the course of time, it has expanded to any number of other kinds of issues that divide communities. And in the wake of the summer of 2020, the George Floyd murder, uh, the additional shootings and, and killings uh, that are police-involved, but also the social justice movement that began in the summer of 2020 uh, and gathered steam, uh, the work of DCP has involved to reach deeply into race equity, designing uh, solutions for communities that are attempting to address and affect change uh, in their communities. And that's led us to lean into that space, both in our bridge initiative uh, with the services that we are now providing to communities around the country, largely on a confidential basis. Uh, and as a result, when our mediators and conciliators enter a community, uh, they often do so in a way that is not to attract attention to our work, but instead to facilitate the work that's necessary in the community to uh, help that community address the conflict. With respect to uh, the issue of affecting change as it relates to race equity, uh, over the course of the last year, we have convened international meetings of individuals who are involved in truth and reconciliation style processes around the globe to uh, help us design processes that might be useful to communities in the United States, uh, as the issues we face here are perhaps somewhat different than those experienced overseas. Similar to what we had done in the past, we have published guidance with respect to the design of those kinds of processes for communities. We provide consultation services to communities, and there are, there are a number of communities around the country now that have begun truth and reconciliation type so of processes, uh, racial justice commission types of processes. And we are expecting to convene a group of scholars and practitioners in February, March, and April of next year in a three-part symposium that will be conducted at uh, Stanford, the Moritz College of Law at Ohio State, and uh, Harvard. So again, the output of that will be a legal scholarship in part, but also practical guidance in this space to assist with the design of, of processes to address and advance racial equity in the United States. Mm. 
And can you talk a little bit, about, Carl, about what this, the support from the Jams Foundation, what it's meant to the DCP? <laughs> well, I guess it's given us roots and wings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, but for the Jams Foundation, the lights might not be on at, at the Divided Community Project. It has permitted us over the course of the last five years to continue to do uh, the the work, frankly, the excellent work. I, I arrived at the Divided Community Project about a year and a half ago. So the work was ongoing long before I arrived. But the excellent work in designing dispute resolution processes and assisting communities that was begun in 2015 uh, was made possible by the JAMS Foundation. Uh, it gave us an opportunity to continue to expand that work. And last year, uh, in the summer of 2020, when the demand for our services increased dramatically around the country. JAMS's additional infusion permitted us to lean into that work uh, and to be helpful uh, to, to work with communities over the course of the last year in the various racial justice protests, the events at the Capitol on January 6th, the events at, uh, around the election uh, that caused conflict in communities, and uh, to continue that work. Uh, impressive list of work there. You, you've all seen conflict tear at the fabric that uh, holds communities together, but you've also seen reconciliation. Can you all talk about just what you've witnessed that makes you believe in the work being done by the DCP? Nancy, do you want to tackle that one? Sure. Some of what we read about, we can talk about. Uh, again, we're a very quiet group, but uh, in Bloomington, Indiana, the, the mayor has been very open about the change that was made possible by the mediation efforts uh, of the Divided Community Project when a potentially volatile issue arose at a local farm market. And the community was committed to using that volatile issue to talk more broadly about the underlying issues that had been simmering for some time. And through the mediation, the series of mediations, they were able to do that, to begin designing major initiatives with some input from us, but their own decisions that would move racial equity progress. And we, we watched their discussions on a continuing basis. So that's one uh, community that we we can think about and that make us realize we've made a difference. Mm. Others, we another one I could talk about is one that has happened at our very own university at Ohio State University. When we began gathering people to give advice about what university leaders might consider at a time like this to move the divisive issues we knew they would be facing into some positive uh, avenues. Some from Ohio State University came to, to help with that project. And then when we held an academy, they sent a, a leadership team from Ohio State University. And after that, the university asked us to train all of the deans and all of the department chairs in collaborative approaches that they could use. And also to hold one of our simulations and agenda setting facilitations afterwards for the diversity and inclusion staff located throughout the campus, and then to hold online seminars for students at large on how to have difficult conversations following the 2020 elections. And we were able to watch as leaders applied this. We received calls from some university leaders to advise on, for example, how to hold a potentially volatile meeting with students. And as a result of all of that, we began 
posting checklists and saw those being used elsewhere. One page summaries of what to think about in the midst of a situation that seems very frightening at first, but can be turned if handled correctly in a very positive direction. Michael, I know you have experience working uh, with a community as a DCP volunteer. Can you can you talk about that? Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to. And it fortunately is something that I can talk about because the uh, the group has gone public. But I have been, along with another JAMS mediator who's who's working with us and a young woman who's a recent graduate of, of the Moritz College of Law, now in Washington working. The three of us have been supporting a group of citizens in Cheverly, Maryland, a suburb of, of Washington. And they're trying to help their city become more inclusive and welcoming. And so we have been supporting them now since uh, more than a, I think more than a year. Uh, the meetings generally have been virtual, so we've done lots of Zoom meetings with them and with the community. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're uh, we essentially are are part of the part of the support for uh, the group, helping them think through uh, what it is they want to do and how they want to do it, helping them uh, run some of their public meetings. And partially because it's close to where I live, uh, it's really been a terrific experience to to work with this group of folks who, who were very hardworking and uh, really trying to, try, working really hard to, to make, uh, make Chevrolet more inclusive and, and welcoming. You know, you know, for a mediator listening who wants to get involved in helping the DCP fulfill its mission, how would they go about it? What what steps could they take? Sure. I'd love to hear from a mediator who has that interest. They're welcome to check out our website, uh, which they can find uh, by going to www.go.osu for Ohio State University dot edu forward slash dcp the Divided Community Project, or they can spell out the word Divided Community Project after the forward slash and they'll get to the exact same place. Or they can Google Divided Community Project and that'll probably bring them to us. Um, if, if, if a mediator is uh, interested in any of these programs, you know, we have had referrals of uh, universities from people who became aware of the existence of these academies to attend our academies or community leadership teams to uh, attend the academies. If they see a need in their community, uh, essentially some of the local mediators may act as a canary in the coal mine. Uh, There are trusted resources in the community. Uh, It's our belief that the wisdom to resolve many of these disputes resides in the community and that our role is to support local capacity. So we would love to hear from mediators who, who see needs uh, and may be able to uh, assist us in being helpful uh, to communities. One of the things we would like to do is to help other organizations, other universities, other state, state agencies to expand capacity. And so if there are people who are listening who think, I wonder if our organization might offer similar services know that we will be generous in our time and generous with the resources that we have. Okay. Thank you, Nancy. Very good advice. 
Carl, what excites you the most about the DCP's future? Where do you want to see the initiative go? You know, I I have a vision for the Divided Community Project five years on that has more than a part-time executive director and a part-time deputy. All of the work you've heard us talk about, we do with essentially 0.7 of a full-time FTE and some very committed volunteers. Uh, so part of my vision is that we would build out the staff of the Divided Community Project in a way that it becomes the destination for dispute systems design to create promising ideas to tackle and resolve the major issues dividing communities. And five years from now, I hope we'll be in a position to do that. In the immediate future, we have a number of plans that, that seem to be accelerating uh, our work. The interdisciplinary research that I described that's going to consume part of the next two years. The symbols guide that offers guidance to leadership uh, addressing contested spaces, Confederate monuments, uh, divisive issues uh, that are that are part of a community will be published uh, this month. Uh, there's a symposium that will occur early next year that will be both legal scholarship from around the country uh, as well as uh, resulting in practical guidance. And I know that we will be able to do good in the community. There are times when I when I get concerned about staffing and funding, but uh, we're continuing to learn and we're continuing to serve in this space. And, you know, Nancy sometimes says it best, fundamentally, we're just trying to do some good. And I hope we continue to do that in the years to come. Okay. Well, we hope you do too. We can leave it there. Michael, Carl, Nancy, thank you so much. Really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to a podcast from JAMS, the world's largest private alternative dispute resolution provider. Our guests have been Michael Lewis of the JAMS Foundation and Carl Smallwood and Nancy Rogers from the Divided Community Project. For more information about the JAMS Foundation, please visit www.jamsadr.com slash jamsfoundation. Thank you for listening to this podcast from JAMS.